With frequent wildfires contributing to airborne pollution, the harmful effects of inflammation and free radical exposure are of particular concern. But you can buttress your natural defenses with nutritional support from my friends at NT Factor. Free radicals are highly unstable molecules that can trigger cell damage, leaving your cells less equipped to utilize oxygen. NT Factor's Breakthrough Lipids formula restores energy and undoes the damage to cells caused by free radicals. Breathe Clear with NT Factor combines the benefits of NT Factor with quercetin, a powerful bioflavonoid. In addition to its antioxidant properties, quercetin is an anti-inflammatory. It works to open up the nasal and respiratory passages. For a limited time, buy one container of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get a bottle of Breathe Clear with NT Factor free. Just go to ntfactor.com, that's ntfactor.com, or call 800-982-9158, 800-982-9158. This summer, arm yourself with the protective power of NT Factor Lipids Powder and get Breathe Clear with NT Factor absolutely free and breathe freely while supporting your body's fight against free radicals. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's great to be back with Layla for our weekly Q&A with Layla. Layla Mutant is our resident nutritionist. Together, we uh, answer your questions. Questions are sent to questions at drhoffman.net. Uh, it's kind of that uh, last lingering week of the summer. Uh, Not yet. Yeah, well, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, it, look, the, the good news is that it stays warm. Yeah. And it's less crowded. True. And there's plenty of nice days ahead. That's so, true. So, you know, and I, I have to say that in spite of talk about uh, record temperatures in many parts of the world, I think we've been relatively unscathed here in the Northeast. It hasn't been bad. Yeah. I mean, knock wood. I'm yeah. We're somewhere. both knocking wood. You know, this mm -hmm. immediately, the next week, it'll go up to the hundreds. Right. <laughs> Just because we said that. Oh, no. We jinxed it. So uh, It's like being on the LIE and saying, look, no traffic. Look, suddenly. That, that happened to me the other day. It was like, <laughs> I, actually, I was on the, uh, I was on 78 in New Jersey. It was like, uh -huh. this is great. You know, we picked the right time to go and there. Uh -huh. It was like, slow down. Oh, no. And the construction. Yeah. Okay. You jinxed it. I jinxed it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we are going to answer your questions. Uh, we welcome them. We actually, you know, I think people are a little asleep at the switch. A lot of people uh, on vacation. Yeah. Uh, this is a good opportunity to get your question in because yes. our inventory questions is a little bit, the reservoir is a little bit low. Yeah, people are on vacation. We yeah. can tell. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we're here, though. We're answering your questions. We're here. And we're happy to do so uh, as long as we have fodder uh, for discussion. So questions at drhoffman.net, the destination for questions. Let's go. And before we get to questions, uh, you know, there's always something of interest in the medical literature or something on the health scene. Uh, this week, I found this study interesting. It's entitled, mm -hmm. hmm. it's a mouthful, Egg Consumption and the Risk of Coronary Artery Disease, Potential Amplification by High Genetic Susceptibility, a Prospective Cohort Study. The study I hear is done in China. Which mm -hmm. it doesn't delegitimize the research, you know, because I think, uh, you know, notwithstanding the political system over there, uh, that they, you know, they, they have the ability to do, you know, pretty good legitimate uh, nutritional research. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
what they're saying here is that, well, let's lay the groundwork of this. Uh, how long have you been in the field of nutrition? Since 2003. 2003. How many t so how many times in your career yeah. have you seen a flip-flop on the issue of eggs are good, eggs are bad? How long you got? Okay. So <laughs> there used to be an ad campaign, yeah. eggs are a natural. Mm -hmm. And indeed, remember the, the commercial? It was like, eggs are a natural. I and don't got, remember that. Okay, so that even predated this. This is like in the 80s. They said okay. eggs are natural because they're a complete nutritional package. They've got protein. Mm. Uh, they've got uh, plenty of nutrients. Good ad. Uh, they've got uh, Sorry, omega threes. If the if the you know mm -hmm. so it's like uh, it they're they're the perfect food. On the other hand, uh, they've been demonized because they are loaded with cholesterol mm. and saturated fat, mm. and it. So to some degree, their fat composition depends on what the chickens eat, because chickens who eat purslane, which is rich in omega-3 fatty acids, yeah. their uh, eggs are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And sometimes mm -hmm. you'll see, kind of a gimmick at the stores, you'll see omega-enriched eggs, yeah. where basically they put some, I go, fish meal or something in the in the chicken feed, and the fish eat, the, I mean, the, the chicken eat the fish meal, yes. and they, they so their their eggs yield a little more omega-3, yeah, because you, you are not... Which you are what you eat, you are what you eat. Eats. Anyway, True. coming back to it is eggs good, eggs bad. Mm -hmm. I recall a study in the New England Journal of Medicine about a person who ate 88 eggs per week. Uh, he did not eat 87 eggs per week or 89 eggs per week. It had to be 88 eggs per week. I don't know. Maybe this is kind of an alliteration. 88 eggs. So somehow in his uh -huh. mind. And he had some kind of severe mental disorder. He was, I guess, had suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder. So they said, well, here's an wow. interesting guy to study. Because if you're eating 88 eggs a, uh, a week, a week. Um, w under that theory, you might be at very high risk for cardiovascular disease. So they checked him out. He was free of atherosclerotic plaque. Hmm. And I believe his cholesterol was something around 170. Hmm. So what they discovered is that he had the ability to clear cholesterol very rapidly from his system. Hmm. And we know that cholesterol is highly regulated in the bloodstream. Some of it's exogenous. Yes. <laughs> eggs are exogenous. They're exogenous, right? yes. They come yes. from, uh, they provide you with cholesterol from the outside. Yeah. But most of your cholesterol is endogenous made by the liver. 80%, but, yeah. but it, the cholesterol that the liver makes is also operating on a negative feedback loop. So when the liver, quote, sees, there's yeah. enough dietary yeah. cholesterol coming in. Production. Exactly. Yeah. So what they, they so they discovered this. They said, yeah. So maybe eggs are not so bad because that's the test case. You know, I mean, it's an n of one experiment. Right. right. But the the guy, you know, illustrated this principle. So mm -hmm. uh, that was a curiosity. But yeah, they cut. You know, basically, if you go to the American Heart Association website, they say, don't eat so many eggs. Right. You know, keep it to keep it to a dull roar. Uh, maybe they've relented a little bit. You know, there's yeah. this whole thing about egg beaters, which are terrible. Oh, horrible! You know, it's yeah. all vegetable oil or and inflammatory. Some, some people, <gasps> or, yeah. Some people order egg whites yes. because they don't want the yolks, and they're deprived of the lutein and the zeaxanthin. Oh, and the vitamin A yeah, and yeah, the iron yeah, and yeah. the vitamin D and the lecithin and the it could go on. Yeah, that yolk is tr is gold. All you're getting in the whites is it's, it's a source of protein, but it's missing a and lot of the things. Exactly, it's yeah. only got a few B vitamins yeah. and some protein, but the yolk is yeah. is gold. Yeah, yeah, literally and figuratively. <laughs> so it's so the uh -huh. the the. You know the the 
the takeaway is that yeah. there's been a lot of controversy. Eggs good, eggs bad, eggs good, egg, eggs bad. Many studies saying eggs do not contribute overall to the risk of heart disease. But these are big population studies. You know, you look at 190,000 individuals and you say, we can't find any statistically uh, meaningful uh, uh, trend towards risk in people who consume more eggs. Yeah. But could it be that some individuals, maybe they should reduce their egg consumption? Mm. And that some individuals can eat eggs with impunity. Now, I sometimes joke with patients and I, you know, I say, your cholesterol is so good that you couldn't kill yourself if you inherited a chicken factory, like an <laughs> egg factory. You, 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 and it have as many eggs as you want and because yeah. you seem to have really a good profile in terms of your cholesterol, right. no matter what you eat. You know, uh, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, I mean... With some qualification, I mean, you eat a lot of junk and, you know, especially sugar, refined carbohydrates, maybe that's more the culprit for many people. Go ahead. The amount of cholesterol we get from food is only 10 to 20%, so it's not a big factor. It's yeah. about what the liver is manufacturing. Nevertheless, yeah. there is a new study, mm -hmm. this Chinese study, and what they say is, essentially what they're saying is it's genetic. Mm. And they're saying that using uh, what's called GWAS, G, uh, uh, genome-wide association studies, which don't look at one gene, because there's not like one gene. Everybody's looking for that magic gene. Yes. That is the, you know, do I have the E gene, which tells me that I should eat eggs, or do I don't have that gene? No, it's a combination of genes. So uh, in this study, uh, what they found is basically, uh, you know, we can go into the, into the, into the weeds on this, but what they found is that really uh, it was a question of the genetic background mm -hmm. of the people. Now, uh, does, it, does this give us practical information, news we can use in terms of making recommendations to patients who come to our office? Well, what they did is they did this very sophisticated study that possibly used machine learning or artificial intelligence to come up with the mm -hmm. polygenic <laughs> risk score. Poly means many, genic means genes, so many genes add up to a risk. Yeah. And when you had a high polygenic risk score for cardiovascular disease or propensity to have adverse responses to cholesterol in your diet, those people were more likely to have problems when they ate a lot of eggs. Mm -hmm. That's what it says. So, hmm. but it, it, in terms of practical take-home information, we don't have the secret sauce in that study uh, to put into our gene profiles that we do on patients that's going to tell us eggs good or eggs bad for you. Right. However, this is the science of nutrigenomics. Mm -hmm. That is an early science. I think we're in <clears throat> sort of the, the, the Columbus or the, you know, the, the Amerigo Vespucci era of, of uh, nutrigenomics. Like it's very true. early on. Early Absolutely. discoveries. And we're going to make progress. And eventually, maybe five years, 10, 15 years, we will have tests which will tell people what they should eat. Yes. There are tests. Truly personalized nutrition. We played with some of those tests. I don't think they're ready for prime time yet. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, there are tests which might tell us, should you be on, and I think we have a question about this. We'll get to yeah. that question. About, you know, should you, uh, you know, eat plenty of saturated fat and not worry about it with impunity? Well, maybe there is a subclass of people mm -hmm. where, in general, not a problem, but maybe that subclass of people need to watch out. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, there are some people who are 
they've got the insulin genes. Right. The genes that affect uh, insulin resistance and True. carbohydrate handling, and they have to be exceedingly careful about carbs. Because that's the impact on cholesterol, is the carbohydrate impact. Yeah. By making that LDL small, dense, and atherogenic, mm -hmm. a pattern B, yeah. as opposed to a big, fluffy, desirable pattern A, it also raises triglycerides. Right. And when we raise triglycerides but, high enough, right. it quashes HDL. That's the impact on cholesterol. But And that's the case with a, you know, probably half of the American populace yeah. and maybe 60%. But I think there's some individuals who may be exempt from that. Yeah. And they can eat you know rice and beans and, and oatmeal. Yeah. and sure. They, it doesn't happen. They right. have a pretty good uh, triglycerides. I think I may be one of those people. It's mm -hmm. going to be hard to tell because one factor... That always keeps my triglycerides low as I'm very active. True. I burn it off. True. But I don't. You also mentioned three pretty good carbohydrates: rice, beans, and oatmeal. Right. We're. To, I'm talking about bread, pizza, and chips. Mm -hmm. Which I eat minimal. And ice cream. Which I eat minimal. That's going to yeah. impact yeah. triglycerides and, and heavy drinking. Yeah. That will also sure. do the same. Sure. Sure. Things like that. So, but I do think there's some people very prone to that. I mean, you must see some mm -hmm. patients where. They even get in trouble with a little too much fruit. They can. Yeah. We see triglycerides higher in the summertime because mm -hmm. people are doing not just eating more fruit, but more juice, yeah. more smoothies. That yeah. becomes yeah. a lot more fructose, right. right? There are a lot more juice. I went to the open market today, you know, mm -hmm. that's once a week in my neighborhood. And, uh, I, I just, you know, it's like the, the, the corn and I wanted to buy it all, the corn and the pears, I mean, not the pears, the, the peaches and the berries and uh, everything's coming in. Yeah. It's the harvest time. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I kind of keep it to a dull roar. You know, it's like... We grew some corn and we yeah. had some corn okay. and it was very good. We grew oh. in our garden. Wow. Yeah, my husband likes corn. I'm not a huge fan, but it was because yeah. we grew it. It was good. It's better it when good. you... It, it tastes so much better when you oh grow it. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. It's like... Go, go to the yard and get some. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so yeah. Um, the, the, it all Everything's speaks in. to personalized nutrition. Yes. Uh, biochemical individuality. Different strokes for different folks. So we cannot say unequivocally, eat as, to everyone, eat as many eggs as you want. But for the most part, mm -hmm. I'm down with the proposition that eggs are okay. The other thing and is... And by the way, I eat... Yeah. I had an emergency yesterday. You were low on eggs. You were I, only down to I, a half dozen. I ran out of <laughs> eggs. You ran out? That happens like once every two years. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had to go out, you know, after I worked out this morning, I had to go to the open air market and buy some eggs. So uh -huh. I get my eggs because I, yeah. I must eat, uh, you know, two eggs, maybe three eggs every morning. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What can I tell you? I'm eating an egg a day generally, sometimes mm. two. Yep. Depends. But the other thing is, you know, the genes also will turn on and off due to what else is going sure, on in sure, the environment. Sure. And just like that person who ate 88 eggs, maybe it was an adaptation of his body, along with the liver seeing that there's plenty of dietary cholesterol here. Yeah. I don't need to make right, so much. Right. There's all of this. It's not a stagnant thing, mm -hmm. our genome. Right. It can change and it can modify just like our microbiome. We're still finding out more and more. It really is the tip of the iceberg. I want to call it almost the dark ages on all of right. this right now. Because we're just still learning. One of the good things about it is that, you know, with all this information, like, uh, you know, like looking at 40 genes at a time and looking at, at you know, 
dozens of species of bacteria in the intestinal tract. Uh, I can't put all that information together. No, because it's a symphony. Machine learning and artificial intelligence can spot trends. Yes. That's what those massive computers can do. Right. I will want to know, I go in future, I will want to know if we 88 eggs every week for five months, what happens? And then over the next five months, if we stop eating 88 eggs a week right. and eat a more normal diet, what happens then? What will be the adaptation? Mm-hmm. Because our bodies are elegant metabolically at adapting. Right. Just like the Inuit, mm-hmm. they're eating, you know, seal and whale blubber. That's 80% of yeah. their diet. There's no heart disease there. What I would say, though, is they have been isolated for many generations in that environment. Okay. Perhaps dozens or scores of generations. And they may have actually evolved some mechanisms as a subpopulation of humans to tolerate. So an example of which is the ability to tolerate milk, which in certain populations in, you know, say, Northern Europe and Northern Asia... Uh, they tolerate milk, yeah. but you look—you go further south, south they're, and those they're not people have never been milk. exposed to it. Mm-hmm. They can't do it. Right. And it's generational. It's yeah. a form of evolution and natural selection. Yeah. Uh, so some people, and the eggs may be along those lines, is that there may sure. be some places where people didn't have a lot of cholesterol, and genetically they don't have the capacity. Maybe they subsisted on like a plant-based diet, you know, and mm-hmm. not a lot of animal protein or saturated fat, you know. Right. Unlike uh, eating whale blubber and walrus and... And don't forget that biochemically we also have the desaturase pathway. Yes. Our bodies will take the saturates and desaturate according to what our body needs, but also always in the in the setting of the proper nutrition. You can't be deficient in your B vitamins, your magnesium, your zinc, and other critical nutrients for those desaturase pathways to be functioning optimally. I think... We're oversimplifying still with how many eggs can you eat. Yeah. That's, in maybe, my opinion. It's not the right question. It's not the right question. Yeah, no. It's not the right question. You know. So let's leave some room open for yeah. nuance and for... We're uh, not automatons where you feed us this and this is what happens. It can change right. with what we put in. And that begs to the second question, which uh, Karen sent us, that there is perhaps a subset of people who should not consume saturated fat, not necessarily eggs, but saturated fat. Would you please expand on that and how you would know if you were one of them? And would that include people with familial hypercholesterolemia or not necessarily? Let's let's take that question seriously because our bias, and I have to confess, is towards acceptance of saturated fat in the diet in moderation and for some people you know they do fine with even large amounts of saturated fat in the setting of a low carbohydrates and that's yeah. where the body adapts yeah. in but, the right way but yeah but I will say this um, let's look at a couple of hypotheticals yes uh, one hypothetical is where people have ApoE4 homozygous two hits of a gene two. that highly predisposes to Alzheimer's disease and there's some controversy about dietary recommendations for those folks, but generally the dietary recommendation is to eat kind of a plant-based diet that's low in saturated fat. It's also to eat a keto diet. Well, that's that's paradoxically true. I yeah. was going to bring that up. I think of Dr. David Perlmutter, yeah. Yeah. who talks yeah. openly yeah. about those hits, yeah. and his father had Alzheimer's, yeah. and yeah. he's and eating he's in a particular way. And he yeah. has, I think, one of those genes, and okay. he's concerned. So he has both a professional and a personal interest in 
uh, brain preservation. Yeah. I and mean, his favorite snack is an avocado. Right. Well, okay, but avocado Loaded with fat, the best fruit to eat. With, but it's mostly mono. Yeah. It's mostly mono. Yeah. So um, Monounsaturated fats, yes. So I would say that might be a case. Another case might be... Now, she mentioned familial hyperlipidemia. So let's... You know, we're getting... A, a, or hypercholesterolemia. Right, right. It, we're getting to that population. Was it in Colombia? They were having heart attacks right. at age 40 so there's, or something. So there's probably... Again, uh, it's polygenic risk score for uh, that condition. In other words, there's not. There are a few distinct genes that predispose to super high cholesterol. Yeah, uh, that's kind of rare. You know, people have cholesterol five, six, seven hundred. Yeah, and then there are there's a uh, a bunch of people who have high cholesterol, and by that I mean you know cholesterol. It's like we generally consider over 300 as possibly familial hyperlipidemia. Yeah. And there's four types, last time I checked, type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4. And you can, you know, lipidologists slice and dice this into different subcategories. Mm -hmm. But for the sake of this discussion, let's just say high cholesterol, and often associated with low HDL, which is yes. protective. Mm -hmm. And maybe also associated with another distinct marker for heart disease, which is ApoB. Yeah. Apolipoprotein B, uh, when it's above 100, is considered a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Mm. So typically, i got to say, the thing that usually happens when you go to a diet that is high in saturated fats is your cholesterol, your LDL tends to go up, but so yeah. too does your HDL. Right. And your triglycerides go down Yeah, when you restrict carbohydrates and you switch to that kind of keto-style yeah. diet. And your LDL but particle gets better. Generally, your LDL particle gets better. Even if it remains high, so, it gets better. So that's why it's confusing. It's like the LDL is high, and that's a considered a risk factor. But if you don't look behind the, the facade, you're going to think that's bad. But maybe it's not so bad because the quality of the LDL particle improves. Yeah. In other words, they're becoming... <clears throat> more uh, large, dense particles instead of small, atherogenic yeah. particles. However, i got to admit that you can't ignore LDL as a risk factor for heart disease, especially in people who have pre-existing heart disease. If people yes. have had a stent or a heart attack yeah, 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 or yeah, a yeah. stroke they have, yeah. or they have accompanying conditions like obesity, diabetes, yes. hypertension, Maybe these are people who want to keep their cholesterol low. Yeah. And if we can do that through dietary means, that is okay. Yes. You know, so maybe those are the people where we have to be a little bit circumscript right. about uh, excess cholesterol. Yeah. So I, you know, admit to that. I, I don't think, see, what I see too much about this, um, the cholesterol wars, is that there's too many people who uh, are believe statins and PCSK9 inhibitors and you know new new drugs are the panacea for heart disease versus the people who think it's all poison and it should all be thrown overboard mm. because it's it it the stuff is going to kill us all i i don't i think there's a middle ground where we use selectively some of these things for people who are at high risk and frankly true. not everybody's going to be compliant that's true that's true and another that thing we need to follow a very we, we need to lifestyle. not to throw a wrench in it but cholesterol is also a necessary substance yeah so we have to be very prudent in yeah. how low do we go yeah, how low do we go
And Cardiologists love to see a total cholesterol of 127. That makes me cringe. On the LDL of 20 or 30. Oh, my goodness. Well, but there's, I'm looking at the studies. With the PCSK9 inhibitors, there's no signal so far, and they really obliterate cholesterol, of increased risk for dementia. But they haven't been used for that long, so I'm... So know. we don't know. We need a long-term study on that. We do. Yeah. But the what there is is what's called medulla randomization, which means people who have a built-in PCSK9 inhibition, they, they're born with it. And they don't have a, they have very low cholesterol and they have a, kind of a low risk, or they have about the same risk for dementia. It's not mm -hmm. increased, it's not decreased, it's the same. Uh -huh. So even with a very low cholesterol, it's not like their brains are starved of cholesterol. Yeah. So that's good. With statins, unfortunately, there is a little bit of a signal towards l lower cognitive health. And in, um, in elderly patients, who are uh, suffering from polypharmacy? You know, yeah. like they're on five different drugs, Oof. and they're mm. and they're suffering from dementia, yeah. or you know, they're losing it. It's worth getting them off the statin. Absolutely, it's worth getting them because if they're like, what's the point of somebody eighty-five and they're losing their marbles being on statin? What you want to make them live a, a year longer? Yeah, it, it's see if the drug. In some cases, they people feel more clarity when they're off those notes. Right. Now, I'm not saying that, that it's, it happens in a healthy 45-year-old who has high risk for heart disease. Yeah. But it might. Uh, so you have to look at that as possible. It's real. It's yeah. real. Yeah. Is it because they lower cholesterol or is it because they interfere with something else? It's not clear. It's not clear. Right. And this is where AI will fail. In this discussion yeah. and the critical thinking yeah. that takes place in in all the things to consider, mm -hmm. statin or not to statin, when or not when, and so forth and so on, got to consider all of these things. Right. How will, you know. This, mm. is, this is parenthetical, but I just had it, I thought it had an, sort of an insight about AI. Is when I dream, mm -hmm. I dream based on my experiences and my learning. Mm -hmm. But I put it together in sometimes these fantastic sequences that are really, you know, they're, they're, they seem real, yeah. but sometimes they're, there's, you know, I wish I could transcribe it, you know, they, they could hook something up to my brain and I could write screenplays, because it's like amazing stuff. Oh, wow. You know? yeah. But AI in some ways is like machine dreaming, uh -huh. because it's it's based on real uh, things that are out there, Yes. but it's put together sometimes in a way that makes absolutely no sense. We have to be careful about what it comes oh, up with. Oh, that's true. You know, it's like... Yeah. They call it in machine language hallucin hallucination. You know, mm. the machine hallucinates. Like, right? You know, like there, there was. I think somebody who submitted a scientific study that was based on research that was done via AI, and the AI made it up. Give it some Haldol <laughs> or some kind of antipsychotic or whatever the latest ones are. I don't know what they you are. Need the machine Risperdone version of some the, kind of yeah. something like that. It's hallucinating, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Right. So anyway. Um, right. And not to throw yet another wrench into it, Dr. Hoppe, but this it. is an interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, get the EBT heart scan and we see about calcified plaque. Well, now the burgeoning soft plaque. Yeah. Which maybe the calcified plaque now is being put in the category of not dangerous. Right. But the soft plaque yeah. is now yeah. burgeoning as dangerous. So everything is changing as we go. Yeah. Well, we have to kind of 
uh, evolve with which the, is kind of exciting with the science. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one. Of that's the why it's never consent. It's never settled, and there should never be consensus because it's ever evolving. Yep. All right. Settled science is not science. It's by nature. It, there, you, it can never be settled. It's it's a form of yeah religious zealotry. Yeah, that that scientism, right? right. <laughs> scientism. Okay. So much for that. Yeah. Uh, all right. When we return, give us a preview of what question we're going to tackle. Oh, we've got a question here about. You mentioned studies proclaiming that various nutrients reduce all-cause mortality by a certain percentage. Please explain what that means. Okay, I will try, attempt a translation into English. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Layla Mutant. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, and we'll be right back with more. <laughs> 